Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here on this Monday, getting our week started off. And this is our program about spiritual direction on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And as we start today, do you remember the second greatest commandment of all? When Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment, he responded that it was to love God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. And then he followed up on this by explaining that the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. So how do you live that out in your life? Years ago, I was listening to a talk given by Father Rocky, our executive director here at Relevant Radio, and he was giving a reflection on how you can grow in humility and love your neighbor as yourself. And the phrase that really stuck with me that he mentioned, it was to have the attitude of you first. You first. Because it's easy to want the best for yourself. And I even see this with my younger children. They have a hard time trying to say, you first. You can go ahead of me. I'll wait because what you want is more important than what I want, or at least of equal importance. For instance, in our house, we typically serve all the food in our kitchen. When everything is uh, done, when the meal's ready, we put it on an island that we have there in the kitchen, and everybody can kind of walk around, and they can dish up what they're getting on their own plates. You know, we'll call everyone into the kitchen. When food's just about ready, we say a prayer, Everybody helps themselves. My wife and I, we might be finishing up the last little bit of cooking or whatever final thing needs to be done for the meal. And then we start helping any of the younger kids that might need assistance. But to whatever degree those younger kids can help themselves, they'll rush in. They'll try to be the first to fill their plate. In fact, they're even willing to a degree to fight with their next oldest or their next youngest sibling to try and be the first or at least be ahead of that one sibling. I don't mean any sort of hitting or kicking, not that kind of fighting, mainly just arguing and raising their voices. And if you have children of your own, you probably know what I'm talking about. There's a certain age range, maybe between about 6 to 12 years old, give or take a little, but they get so focused on what they want that they often forget how to behave. And even if we as parents, we've had the same conversation dozens of times before with them, An eight-year-old child, they'll forget everything about manners, they'll forget about being polite when they're hungry and they have that hot, fresh food in front of them. They'll even forget about, oh, you should wash your hands before mealtime. Everything flies out of their brain. The only thing they can think of is me first. None of that attitude of you first, almost always with them, it's me first. And even though I might go last or near the end of the line when it comes to meals in our house, I can still find myself saying me first in other areas of my life. 
You probably do too. If you're driving, and are you willing to allow other drivers to be first? Or do you find yourself getting annoyed at that driver that wants to squeeze in ahead of you when traffic is merging? If you go to a movie theater, do you sit in a less desirable spot in order to allow others to have that better, that prime choice of seating there in the theater? When you or I, when we say, me first, by our actions, we're really saying, I'm more important than you. And that's dangerous territory because that's the same attitude that led to the fall of Lucifer. Pride is that sin that has us say, me first. But the, the virtue that defeats pride is humility. And humility, it allows us to say, you first, in all areas of our lives. But of course, as with so many other things in this life, this is easier said than done, isn't it? So today, we want to spend this hour talking about how we can grow in humility, how we can live out those two greatest commandments, loving God and loving our neighbor, how we can develop that you-first attitude. And joining us today is our spiritual director here on The Inner Life, and helping us look at how we can grow in humility is Father Rob Kroll back again with us. He's a Jesuit priest and the director of spiritual formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary in Milwaukee. Uh, Father Rob, so glad to have you back here on the program today. And uh, is that, do you find it difficult to have that you-first attitude in your life? No, Josh, I've got it all worked out. I, <laughs> well, good, you're the perfect person to... Uh, first. Come on. Yeah, you're the perfect person to help all of us get it right. <laughs> right, right. Now, as you were telling the opening uh, story, which is you always do such a great job at introducing these um, topics, and I, I immediately thought of the word joy, because you can take the word joy and make an, a little anacronym out of it, so the J stands for Jesus first, and then the O, others second, and the Y, yourself third. So Jesus, others, yourself. If we can keep that order in mind, uh, it's just like what you were saying about putting me second and others first. So, um, yes, I struggled, and I had to chuckle when you were talking about the traffic example because I, I'm a pretty, I think a pretty chill and low-key person, although I'm, I'm, a, I'm a high extrovert, but um, pretty sanguine. But when I get behind a wheel, uh, it can get, it can, I can get pretty aggressive and, um, and I can get very annoyed with uh, people who, for example, have the audacity to go the speed limit. You know, don't, don't you know that you, it's just a suggestion. It's You're a not suggestion, actually supposed to go yeah. the speed limit. And when people try to merge and I'm in a hurry, you know, of course, yes, I get impatient too. So I don't have it all uh, quite figured out yet, but, um, but uh, yeah, I look forward to our conversation this hour. I think it's a very important topic. Uh, you know, you mentioned pride, and there's a reason why we call pride kind of the original and the deadliest sin, and, and humility is the antidote, but uh, we, know, we know that we struggle to live that. Well, and so let's talk about pride for a minute, mm-hmm. um, being the greatest of all sins. Maybe you can kind of shed a little bit of light on that. If, if somebody's not familiar with that concept, how, how does pride lead to so many other sins? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I um, have this quote. I, one of the topics that I address with seminarians here is uh, the virtue of, of humility and obedience in, in kind of uh, countering pride. And, and, and in putting together a presentation for them, I came across this quote from uh, 
Ben Franklin, who's always so witty, and he said, uh, there is perhaps uh, none of our natural passions so hard to subdue as pride. Beat it down, stifle it, mortify it as much as one pleases, it is still alive. Even if I could conceive that I had completely overcome it, I should probably be proud of my humility. So a little bit of a paradox there that, you know, even as we grow in virtue, uh, we tend to take excessive credit for it. And, you know, I think pride is just one of those things um, that, you know, manifests itself in our life in so many different ways. And we're probably more prideful than we recognize. Um, you know, just some, I was thinking before the program, you know, what are some common ways that it crops up in my life or in the lives of, uh, you know, seminarians that I direct or whatever. And I think it's it's kind of universal for us. But, you know, we can approach other people with a very kind of judgmental or critical attitude. Um, you know, that's very common. Uh, we can be very unwilling at times to welcome correction uh, that other people or advice that other people may offer us as if, you know, somehow I don't need that. Uh, I'm beyond that. Uh, I don't have any foibles, you know. Um, we can rely excessively on ourselves. So another, you know, form of pride is an unwillingness to ask for help when we need it, to recognize our own neediness. You know, that's hard for us. Um, you know, this is one that's kind of subtle, but comes up a lot for those of us that are Christian, and that is an excessive discouragement about sin. And I'm not suggesting here that we overlook sin or that we have a lax attitude towards it, but, you know, when we get really, really, really down and discouraged about our sins, it, it, there's a, often a subtle form of pride underneath that, because what we're really thinking is, I, you know, I should be perfect, I should be beyond this, and it can also represent a lack of trust in God's mercy and forgiveness and so forth. So that's often one that goes kind of unrecognized because we think it's very virtuous to be super bent out of shape about our sin. And again, we have a conscience. Uh, our conscience tells us when things that we've done are wrong, and that's a good thing. And I'm not saying we should rejoice in our sin, but but if we are um, you know, reacting excessively uh, or overreacting, I should say, you know, to sin in our life, then that can be a form of pride. Um, you know, another form is just being quick-tempered, you know, being very irritable, um, like we were saying, maybe with people merging into traffic. So when we're, we're not willing to be more patient, to be more calm, it's sort of like, again, I'm, I'm, I'm number one. I should be, you know, you should be deferring to me all the time. Envy is another one, too. I think that's common. You know, we envy people um, who, you know, seemingly are more talented than us or better than, and objectively they may very well be better than us in certain ways, but, but then we aren't able to really compliment them or to rejoice in their successes. And so again, it, it, it's overall, I would say it's sort of a, a self-centeredness, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're at the center of the universe and everything else and everyone else should kind of revolve around us. I, I know in my own life, one way, you know, sometimes I, I can be insecure about my competencies and so forth, and I can notice that in, in very sort of subtle ways, uh, like with these seminarians, most of whom are in their 20s, you know, I can I can try to vaunt myself or try to, um, you know, appear better in their eyes than I really am, or, or maybe I'll talk about, you know, when I was their age, certain things I was able to do or achieve, and so, you know, ways that we are, we're kind of seeking other people's uh, affirmation or admiration. 
Um, so anyway, I'm sure there's a lot longer list, but those are some common ways, I think. Right. Well, and as you're talking about that, too, you know, that seeking out that affirmation, wanting that approval from other people, mm-hmm. I think on the other side of that, too, there has to be kind of this caution that we don't fall into an area of false humility, you know, Correct. and we'll hear that talked about at some different points in our lives where, well, no, you you shouldn't you shouldn't try and downplay yourself when you really are good at something or you mm-hmm. maybe stand out in an area. And so maybe we can talk about the difference between a good pride and a bad pride. I mean, the pride that you've kind of opened up for us here mm-hmm. is the one that does lead to selfishness, to, you know, I, I put myself before anybody else. I think I'm more important than anybody else. But mm-hmm. there can be a good pride, being proud of your kids when they do something good, being proud of your community or your sports team, you know, cheering them on, having that good pride. So maybe can you give a, a little differentiation mm-hmm. between the two for us? Yeah, I'm really glad that you raised that because I think that humility can be uh, misunderstood. And and I I often like to look at the etymology of a word for clues to its meaning. So if you look at the root meaning of humility, it's it's humus or hummus. You know, it means earth, uh, soil, ground. And so I think ultimately humble people are well-grounded. You know, they have their feet on the ground. They're rooted in reality. Um, St. Teresa of Avila kind of said famously that humility is living in the truth. And, and the truth is manifold, or it's, it's, uh, it contains, you know, it's a paradox. On the one hand, we are created as the pinnacle of God's good creation. I mean, think about how Adam and Eve were put over the rest of creation. They, you know, he names the animals. Um, they're, they're called to kind of govern and rule over the rest of creation. Um, some of the scriptures, like Psalm 8, you know, I love that psalm. It talks about, you know, when I see your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars that you set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and a son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him little less than a god, crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him rule over the works of your hands, put all things at his feet. So, you know, there, we do have a greatness, but it all comes from God. It, you know, the, the greatness that we possess, the great beings that we are, it, it's all due to God's grace. And so it's not denying that we're great creatures, but it's recognizing that it all flows from the Lord and we would be nothing without him. So I like to make a distinction between an accurate view of self and a negative view of self. So I think that's where you're getting into that um, false humility that you talked about. It isn't like we have to go around, you know, beating ourselves and having our heads hanging low. Oh, I'm such a worm. I mean, we are, we are, you know, a lot of ways wretched and poor and weak. That's true. But we're also um, these beautiful, awesome beings that God has made. And so, so humility is not in any way opposed to, like you were saying, a legitimate pride in, in some accomplishment that I may have done or, or in my children or other people that I know. It's not um, opposed to a, a great, like, striving for greatness. I mean, we should be great Christians. We should be great in virtue and so forth. But humility always, you know, is a check. And, it, and, and the meekness that Jesus talks about, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit, the, these are people who don't deny their greatness, but they, 
they attribute it all to God's grace. You know, and I think right. about, you know, Mother Teresa, I mean, a great, great saint, but so humble because she knows that she's nothing without God. So. I also find it interesting, just going back to, you said, the etymology, the, the root of that word of humility or humble, mm-hmm. that it comes from the word earth, that means earth or ground, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, you just quoted from the Beatitudes, and that right there, blessed are the meek or blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. It's almost like when you when you have that humility, when you're grounded, when you're part of the real world, that's your reward is, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll get that back coming at you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, very much so. And, and I think it's, you know, the humble are people who live, I mean, I think there's certain characteristics of, of humble people too. I mean, you're right. There's an an eternal reward. I mean, we'll be blessed um, in this life and blessed in eternity. Um, but I think when we look at people who are truly humble, you know, what what does that portrait look like? I mean, I think there are people that generally exude a certain joy and peacefulness. You know, even even sufferings or troubles don't you know throw them completely off balance. They're able to maintain a certain uh, poise and peacefulness. They tend to be, the humble tend to be the kind of people that are the most kind, you know, and, and compassionate, and respectful of others, even of people they may disagree with. Um, I think gratitude goes a long way, too, to sure. uh, fostering humility, you know. I mean, just being, again, grateful to God each and every day for so many blessings that I tend to take for granted. And, and that's where we Jesuits, we often talk about this form of prayer called the examine, which is basically a a brief review of your day as the day is winding down to really look for where God was present and where did he bless me. Um, I mentioned before, you know, that a, a prideful person often can't rejoice in other people's successes and goodness because they're too, they're, 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 they see it too much as competing with their own. It's sort of like a zero-sum game, whereas a, a humble person, you know, because they're secure in their own goodness and uh, and so forth they can they can rejoice in other people's and share in that uh, I think a, a certain ability to laugh you know at oneself is a good barometer for humility you know that I don't have to get again completely um, out of whack when I have a failure or make a mistake um, I mentioned before too an unwillingness to ask for help is maybe a sign of pride so a humble person generally says you know I'm kind of stuck here and I could really use your advice, or I could use your help. Um, I think a quickness to forgive, that's also another good good sign of humility, you know, not that I discount the, the, the sin or the way somebody may have treated me unjustly, but I'm not going to hold on to a, a grudge and be bitter for a long time. Um, you know, I think a humble person generally is kind of a team player, so they, they tend to foster unity among a group, and they're not looking to shine and have to control everybody, but they can, you know, kind of lead in a quieter way, almost taking kind of a back seat if necessary. Uh, one thing, too, that I think is really important to mention, Josh, when it comes to humility is, you know, a humble person can really also speak the truth freely and be very bold. I think about a John the Baptist here. I mean, John the Baptist was very secure in himself and in his being the friend of the bridegroom, and that's what allowed him to really challenge um, the, the religious authorities of his time. So it sounds like a paradox there, because you know it, he could, he could come across John could come across as being very arrogant and prideful, you know, laying into the into the Pharisees and all these people. But but actually, he's so free and he's so humble that he can just like speak the truth and kind of let the chips fall where they will and not 
be obsessive about, oh, what are they going to think about me? So that, you know, again, you want to, we want to speak the truth in love, but I think speaking the truth is a good sign of a humble person. Yeah, you know, when you say that, in love, I think that would be the key there. Not yeah. not that we want to beat somebody over the head with the truth just for right. the sake of ourselves being right or a, a moment where you can say, I told you so. Because That's then right. all of a sudden, right. what what's happening there? Well, it's me saying, I know more. I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who is smarter, or I have my act more together than you. So then it it, it all of a sudden becomes this prideful moment if right. we're not doing it in love. And, and maybe we can talk a little bit more about uh, how we can exercise humility, especially if we are in a role that requires us to speak up, to be more in a public or a leadership uh, kind of role in our, our whatever God is calling us to. Uh, our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today, Father Rob Kroll, he's a Jesuit priest and the director of spiritual formation at St. Francis de Sales Seminary in Milwaukee, today talking about how we can grow in humility. How about you? What has helped you to recognize those areas of pride in your life, and how have you been able to exercise and grow in that virtue of humility? Is there one or two maybe tactics or practices, something that has been particularly useful for you in growing in humility in your life? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we'll continue talking with Father Rob in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond and our Spiritual Director, Father Rob Kroll, a Jesuit priest based in Milwaukee. And today talking about how we can grow in humility and how we can spot and hopefully eliminate <laughs> to the best of our ability any of those areas of pride that kind of rear their head in, uh, in our lives. What has helped you to recognize those areas of pride in your life and how have you been able to grow in humility? Is there something that has helped you to be able to identify those areas so that you know, okay, I've got to be really careful here or ways that you've been able to grow in that humility? And again, our students Studio line 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. And Father, right before the break, you were giving that example of John the Baptist, speaking the truth boldly, proclaiming it, but also doing it with an attitude of love. And it kind of raised in my mind that there are those of us where we're going to have to be, this isn't everybody, but, you know, I think that attitude of being humble it's easy to think, well, that means I need to stay in the background. I need to stay hidden. I, I, don't, I shouldn't have any attention drawn to me. But God will use different people in their walk of life 
and use those strengths. If somebody really is good at public speaking, if somebody really is good uh, in managing others, and they can have that leadership or that public kind of role, um, that, that doesn't mean that you can't practice humility. It might be more difficult because sometimes in those public roles, you have a lot of people who are telling you, hey, great job, patting you on the back. I mean, you can take a lot of heat in those public roles, too. You can get a lot of criticism there. But um, what do you think is if somebody says, well, I am in the spotlight a little bit more often than uh, other people, how, how can I keep my pride in check? How can I foster humility in my life if I am in that sort of job or, you know, whatever that, that place in life is for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's really important. And a couple of things come to mind. I mean, one is I do think that we have to be quick to direct the credit to God and to give him glory. And I know that uh, even in my own life, if I get maybe a compliment after a homily at Mass or something, I I do try to say, well, you know, God is good or praise God, or, you know, I try to let the person know even in front of me that, um, you know, while I'm certainly happy to receive the compliment that ultimately, you know, any skills or abilities that I have, they're, they're all due to God's goodness and his grace. So I, and to do that sincerely, and I think, you know, in the moment we can then direct, you know, everything to God's glory. But, but I think one thing that helps, you know, sort of more remote preparation is to, in our prayer, you know, to, to ponder um, kind of that expression, you know, their but for the grace of God, go I, you know, to recognize that uh, I've been preserved maybe from greater sin or greater failures, you know, only due to God's grace, and and to humbly acknowledge that I've had my share of sins and failures. And so um, while in this moment maybe something went very well for me, um, you know, it can be helpful for us to ponder from time to time just both our existential poverty, I mean, just the fact that as a human being, I'm in many ways kind of weak and poor, um, but that also, you know, over the course of my life, I've thought and said and done many things that are not loving. And you were saying earlier in the program about loving God and loving neighbor, or I think maybe that was something we were going to talk about was the golden rule. But in any case, uh, oh yeah, you mentioned that as the greatest commandment, right, in the second commandment. So loving God, loving neighbor, we fail to do that all the time. So again, not not um, letting that lead us to a, a place of great uh, despair, but just to say the truth is I'm I'm, you know, I'm glorious because God's made me and endowed me with certain gifts, but I'm also kind of wretched in a lot of ways. And and I think, too, just reflecting on, you know, people that we know who are truly humble, be they great canonized saints or just people that we rub shoulders with, you know, and and, and they, they can be great models and, and can inspire us to be humble in our own way. Um, you know, one thing, too, that comes to mind as a practical strategy is uh, I know uh, I was a Jesuit superior for six years at Creighton Prep High School in Omaha, and what that means is within the Jesuit community there, I, I kind of had a role of leadership, and <clears throat> St. Ignatius was very wise in setting up our system of obedience because he, he said that every superior needs to have what's called an admonitor. That's another Jesuit in the community who is kind of his you know, kind of his conscience or somebody who can call him out on things or, or represent maybe uh, discontent within the community so that he hears 
some criticism. And so I think that's very wise to have people in our life that uh, who know us well and can really, that we've invited to even play a role of, uh, you know, telling us when we're off base. Um, I, I heard a story once about Lyndon Baines Johnson, LBJ, who apparently had somebody in his administration who did this. And every week uh, he would sit down with this fellow and say, okay, you know, tell me, tell me uh, my faults, tell me where I, where I need to be uh, brought back on the right path. And so to kind of be open to that kind of criticism, or I think about King David, you know, this great Old Testament king, you know, when he, uh, when he had Uriah the Hittite killed and basically murdered and then took his wife Bathsheba for himself, uh, Nathan the prophet called him out and, and, you know, said, that man is you. And, and David's response was to be very humble. He went before the Lord and, and, and admitted his sin. And, and then later in the same, uh, in the same book of second Samuel, uh, there's this great scene where David and some of his servants are walking along and there's this man named Shammai who is uh, cursing at them and throwing like dirt and stones at, at David. And this is the king, you know, and one of David's officers named Abishai basically says, you know, let me kill this, this dead dog, you know, let me take his head off. And, and David's response is, well, uh, what business is it of mine or yours, you know, if he curses me, maybe, maybe the Lord himself has uh, commissioned him to do this. And so David just kind of accepts this abuse because it's sort of because uh, Shammai is is cursing him and throwing stones because of the blood that David has shed uh, in the house of Saul. So again, David's response is not one of, you know, intense anger and pride, but he's like, hey, maybe God's put put this guy in my path to kind of humble me. so I, I think having people in our life who can do that for us in some form is really good. One of the things that I guess, I, I as you're kind of describing both sides, you know, the, the side where pride takes over, but also not being, not, not going into that false humility. When you're talking about St. John the Baptist, when you're talking about King David, a lot of it seems to really come down to just being honest with yourself and with others about who you are. Not not lying to yourself that you're better than you are, but also not lying to yourself that you're worse than you are. Right. Um, and that, that really seems to be kind of uh, maybe the overarching theme of a lot of what you're bringing out here, Father. Um, Want to also throw out the phone line, uh, the phone number again, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. As we're talking about growing in humility today, and how have you been able to live humility out in your life? How have you been able to be honest about the good things that are you? And give glory to God, like Father Rob was saying. Also not uh, letting yourself be maybe blown up to uh, in your mind to be more than you are, but also not less than you are. And again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. And Father, we've got Craig who's listening to us in Wisconsin. And Craig, so glad to have you here on The Inner Life today. Oh, Thank you, Josh. And uh, thank you, uh, Father Rob, for all of your good advice. I think it's just wonderful. Uh, about a month ago, uh, our pastor was uh, at Mass uh, delivering a homily, and I don't know the context exactly, had to obviously deal with pride to some extent, but he pointed out the little ways that we manifest our pride and often don't even realize it. For example, he said, uh, 
uh, cutting another person off in traffic, me first, you know, uh, or um, uh, get, be sure you get the last word in, or interrupting somebody else be, as if to say my thoughts are more important than others, or the fears that we have, such as uh, you see some other people getting together at dinner, and uh, gee, I wonder why I was included. I wish I were there. So I, 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 and all these desires or these fears of being uh, humiliated or rebuked uh, by others, uh, they're just with us all the time. So in any case, I thought, hey, Father, did I go to confession before? And you're my, mentioning all of my sins to the whole parish without na- naming me by, by name. And uh, uh, so when I went to confession, uh, he gave me, as my penance, uh, the litany of humility, mm-hmm. which I had never heard of. And I mentioned it to another person there who was a, a good friend, and she, yes, she had heard of it, and she said, I'll email it to you. So I got the email, and I got the message, and it's a wonderful little litany of about 20, 25 things, of fears or desires or the need for grace, and it was really wonderful. And so I read it every day at uh, 10.30. I've got my time to to pray the litany of humility, but it only takes two to three minutes. Uh, perhaps mm-hmm. Father Rob might explain where to get it, uh, although I did find it online, typing in the litany of humility. But uh, perhaps Father Rob would like to elaborate on this. Sure, Craig. Yeah, thanks for calling in. And you, you added a few really good examples, like like one of them uh, was interrupting people when they're speaking because I've got to get my word in. It's more important than your word, for example. Um, so appreciate kind of rounding out some of the um, examples that we had mentioned earlier. Yes, the litany of humility is is wonderful. I keep a copy in my breviary and try to look at it regularly. And I also will um, print out copies that I'll take with me, like to parishes if I'm hearing confessions. And uh, the litany that you're referring to is attributed to to a cardinal, Cardinal Mary Del Val, uh, and that's so it's Mary M E R R Y, and then D E L, and then V A L, Mary Del Val. But if you just do litany of humility, that's I think the first thing that comes up, and um, and yeah, I think a lot of people, more and more people, are hearing about it and praying it. I'll be honest, it's one of the hardest prayers I think that I've ever come across. I mean, if I really uh, mean what I say. It's very, very challenging. Um, I've got it in front of me here. Maybe I'll just read a few of these things, you know, but um, it's, oh, oh, Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me. From the desire of being loved, deliver me. From the desire of being extolled, honored, praised, preferred to others, consulted, approved, uh, and then, and then you, you know, those are all the desires. And then you said too, there are fears. So, it's from the fear of being humiliated, deliver me. From the fear of being despised, humility, uh, suffering rebukes, uh, forgotten, ridiculed, wronged, sus- suspected. And then it ends with these uh, final lines: uh, that others may be loved more than I. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than. Uh, more than I, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase, I may decrease, that others may be chosen and I set aside. You know, that goes to your example, Craig, of like, there's that expression of FOMO, fear of missing out, you know, like, yeah, why wasn't I invited to that party? Um, so anyway, to, to pray these things and really mean them is, uh, is super uh, challenging, but um, 
Now, here's the kicker, the last line, that others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. So a superficial reading of this litany of humility could be, oh, again, I'm just a worm and I should be, you know, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just a horrible human being. No, it's not that. The spirit is that um, I just, I just, I, I want to do all that I can to let the Lord shine through me and let other people be loved. And uh, so, anyway, thanks for bringing that up because it is a great uh, litany, and I think I would encourage all of our listeners to get a copy and and pray it uh, either daily, like you do, or at least regularly. Well, and Father, I'm glad you read that last line there, too, because I think that one struck me the most, that Mm -hmm. others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that right there is saying, I, (laughs) I, I just need the bare minimum of holiness that you require of me, Jesus. But I hope everybody else does way better than I do. And even that, I mean, that just sounds, you know, if I'm going to be a saint, don't I want to be the best saint? Well, to be the best saint, you should want to be the least in the kingdom of God. You know, it it really is. I, I agree with you. I think this is probably the most difficult prayer I've ever prayed in my life over the past several <laughs> years. And I actually came across it the same way that Craig did. I had a priest in confession who gave it to me as uh, my penance, and mm-hmm. I'd never heard of it before. And yeah, when I read through it, I said, oh no, <laughs> this, <laughs> right. if I really mean this, this is scary because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that... You know, the, from the fear of being forgotten. Oh, I want to be loved, though. Josh I likes know. being loved, Father. Right. <laughs> so he likes Don't having people like him. Right, exactly. Um, and, again, and again, we have to be careful because we're not, we're not really praying that, we aren't lo- that we're unloved or that you know, people don't love us. I and mean, Humanly speaking, we, we're made for love, and we, we need love to be healthy. So, it's, it's, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a thing that has to be interpreted properly, right? Because yes. otherwise yes. it can get distorted. But... But right, but we shouldn't be like seeking in in a prideful way or in a disordered way. We shouldn't be sort of trying to scrape love off of the you know walls, as it were, by by manipulating people or by putting ourselves forward. So it, again, it's 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 subtle, but uh, yeah, very important. Right. Right, absolutely. Again, our spiritual director today, Father Rob Kroll, and we're talking about growing in humility. How have you been able to grow in humility? How have you been able to recognize those areas of pride in your life? Our studio line, 888-914-9149. Maybe you're struggling with pride. There's something that it's, it's really got its hooks in you, and you're having a difficult time, and you'd like some advice some encouragement on your spiritual journey, and that's why Father Rob is here, 888-914-9149. And uh, we've got many other people waiting to talk with you, Father, but we need to take a really quick time out here. So let's do that first, and we'll be back with your phone calls and more with Father Rob Kroll here on The Inner Life in just a moment on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome 
Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Father Rob Kroll. We're talking today about growing in humility. How have you done that in your life? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, I also want to mention that this being the last week of October, coming up next week uh, in November, well, it's the month that we remember the Holy Souls. And so anyone that you have, a friend, a family member who's passed away, well, we'd love to encourage you to join together with us as we pray for them, starting on November 2nd, All Souls Day. Uh, We're going to start a novena for any of our departed loved ones, and we're going to be praying for them during Mass, during the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, and during the Family Rosary Across America here on Relevant Radio. And you can submit any names that you'd like. There's no limit to how many names you can submit for anyone you know that's passed away and you'd like them prayed for. Just go to RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app, and you can uh, submit their names there, and they'll be added to the list of all the different names that we're praying for together. And I hope you will be able to to join us for those nine days, November 2nd through November 10th. Again, Mass at noon Central, the Chaplet of Divine Mercy at 3 p.m. Central in the afternoon, and then later in the evening on the Family Rosary Across America at 7 p.m. Central. So again, you can register any names that you'd like prayed for at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Uh, Father Rob, let's go back to the phones as we continue our conversation on humility today. We've got Mark, who's listening to us in Culver City, California. Hi, Mark. Thanks for calling into The Inner Life today. Oh, hi, sir. Hi, Father. Thank you. Um, yeah, I used to look down and judge uh, couples who were separated or divorced, and so I've had a uh, difficult moment in, in humility because my wife is uh, divorcing me, and so um, I'm, I don't look down on those people anymore because it's it's a very difficult and tragic situation for the whole family uh, so I'd just like to ask you and the list, other listeners to pray for reconciliation. And if you have any advice for me on how to uh, work through this, I'd appreciate it. Well, thanks for calling in, Mark. And certainly uh, we can say some prayers for you today. Uh, I think it's a little tough to give you much advice, just given you know the time we have left and then um, not knowing really the situation. But I want to I want to draw from your experience, just um, reinforce what we were saying earlier in the program that I think one of the ways we can grow in humility is by, you know, recognizing that even if we don't exactly share the same, you know, struggle as somebody else, we, we all have them and we all have, uh, you know, our own uh, baggage, as we might call it, or uh, certainly our own, um, you know, shortcomings. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm grateful that I'm not grateful that you're going through the divorce. That sounds very, very difficult. But to know that, you know, it's something that now has helped you to be more understanding and empathetic of other people who have gone through that and you don't you don't look down upon them as you might have in the past so i think yeah drawing you know just drawing from our own experience uh can be really helpful in growing in humility and and uh recognizing that we don't we don't see the heart and mind of other people the way god does you know only god knows every uh, every circumstance so anyway I, i do appreciate you calling in i'll certainly throughout this day i'll uh call you to mind and lift you up in prayer. And Mark, you'll be in my prayers as well, and I know so many other listeners will be praying for you. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, never give up 
praying that your marriage can be healed. Um, you know, if you're able to go to daily Mass and offer that each time that you're at Mass, that's a powerful, powerful way to pray for your marriage to be healed. The other thing I might recommend, too, we've talked about it at different times in the past. There's a program called Retrovi, and mm-hmm. it's got kind of a French spelling of the name, but the website is Help ourmarriage.org and I've heard many many different people talk about how that has been such uh, a true uh, it's worked miracles in their marriage it's allowed them to heal a marriage that they didn't think had any hope so again uh, that might be a good resource for you and your wife if you're able to both uh, have that kind of a retrovi retreat again the website help our marriage Dot org. Yeah, good suggestion. And, uh, well, and Father, you know, difficult moments here that we're talking about, and I guess kind of a little bit related here to what Mark was talking about, you know, when, when you have those moments where you're kind of forced into recognizing, wow, I might have been prideful there, and this really does humble me, um, how can we maybe in advance try and make ourselves more aware of the fact that we might have that prideful area? You know, something that might we might just have the blinders on, might not even recognize it in ourselves. And how do we avoid that taking us by surprise, being blindsided like Mark sounds like he was? Yeah, well, I think here now of maybe a good examination of conscience that we might use before going to confession because... Uh, Sometimes a very detailed examination of conscience can highlight certain um, sins or you know areas of weakness in our life that we might be rather oblivious to. And so again, it's not an exercise in uh, self-berating, but it's like just doing a reality check and saying, oh yeah, I never really thought about that particular way in which I might be prideful or I might be sinful. So I think that's a tool. You know, I know, I know we usually use it just before we go to confession, but but, you know, using a good examination of conscience to um, look over our life as a whole in all of its various dimensions and trying to understand um, how I might be, you know, weak in certain areas that I, that I wasn't aware of. So I think that can certainly help. Um, you know, and, and maybe going back to a suggestion that we made early in the program, you know, maybe to consult a few, you know, people that have known us since we were, you know, since we were kids or people who we have a good relationship with and who really like us and, and enjoy us, but who are also able to uh, know us well enough that they can point out, you know, maybe certain areas. If we actually tell them that, you know, I really would appreciate that you be honest with me yeah. and tell me about maybe some areas that I can improve because I want to be holier, uh, you know. And then, so. and then we have to be willing to listen to them when they are honest with us. Well, sure. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Father, let's go back to the phones. Carolyn is listening to us in Northfield, Minnesota. Hi, Carolyn. You're on the air with Father Rob Kroll. Hello. Um, thank you for taking my call. Hi, Father Rob. Hi, Carolyn. Um, so my question, I have a question, not a story, if that's okay. Sure. Okay. So I'm just wondering, how do you balance Let's say you have a, like a professional ambition with a, a Catholic understanding of humility. For instance, like for me, I've always wanted to be a musician, you know, like a performing artist. And it just seems to me like they're not compatible. How do I, you know, pursue a career that's really kind of self-focused and still be a humble person? Do you see my, what I mean? Yeah. Uh, well, possible. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I think, I guess, like, let's stay with your example of, of music. You know, I think if we recognize that music is a, is a form of beauty, that God is beauty itself with a capital B, and that he's created all types of forms of beauty in our life, and that ultimately the music that you or others might perform uh, is meant to reflect God's beauty and glory and it and you know music as we know the right kind of music performed beautifully can bring healing to people's souls it can it can lift them up and inspire them i can think of uh you know times that i've been at a symphony orchestra or hearing handel's messiah where i'm i moved to tears you know and uh it can be a really spiritual and religious experience for people so i i think that's the key is like recognizing, first of all, that your musical ability comes from God, again, that it, it all is due to God's goodness and grace, and that it's all meant to be uh, offered back to him for his glory, and that by using this beautiful gift of music, you're actually um, helping to bring you know, healing and health to people. Uh, so it seems to me those are you know, pretty much the keys. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, thank you. Okay. Great. Thanks for the call, Carolyn. Uh, glad to have you on the program today. And another thing that comes to mind here, Father, as uh, we're talking about how we can kind of keep focused so that we don't stray into those areas of pridefulness, um, one, of course, is to say to the best of our ability, stay united to Jesus, but also to seek the intercession of the Blessed Mother. Yeah, very definitely. I'm glad towards the end of the program now we're we're invoking both uh, our Blessed Mother and Jesus because I think they are kind of the uh, the great models of humility for us. I mean, you know, you think about Mary's Magnificat, you know, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, right? Not my greatness, the greatness of the Lord. He's looked upon his handmaid's lowliness. Uh, the Mighty One has done great things for me. So there it is again. You know, magnanimity, greatness, it's not bad in and of itself, but it's recognizing that God is the one who does all that is great, you know, for me and within me. Um, she goes on to talk about, you know, uh, dispersing the arrogant, lifting up the lowly. So I think that Magnificat prayer, along with the litany of humility, uh, could be a great one to, uh, you know, pray regularly. And those of us that do the breviary or the divine, you know, the, the hours of the breviary, we, we get to say that daily. And then, of course, in Jesus, we have the great, you know, um, a uh, great model or example of humility for us. I think about that great uh, hymn in Philippians 2 about, uh, you know, even though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form, uh, taking the form of a slave, you know. Uh, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Um, so, you know, we can imitate as best we can that, that great humility of Jesus in, in serving others. Think about Jesus at the Last Supper washing the disciples' feet and then saying, right. now I've given you a model. So, um, yeah, those, those are great examples, Jesus and Mary, for us. Father Rob, thanks so much for being on the program with us today. We've got about 30 seconds left here for a final blessing for all of our listeners. So, Heavenly Father, we do praise you and give you glory for our lives and all that you bless us with. We're grateful for this hour and for the reflection on humility. Help us to grow in that virtue. And Jesus, be always uh, our model of humility and effect that virtue within us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of our listeners and remain with them forever. Amen. 
Amen. Father Rob, thanks so much again for being our spiritual director on the program today. Of course, the podcast is available this afternoon at RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. And stay tuned. Mass is up next. Father Daniel Schuster, the celebrant. And we'll talk with you tomorrow here on The Inner Life. Going to talk about getting God right.